Welcome to this week's episode of F1 Coffee Corner Full Beans. I'm your host Terry and this week we'll be delving into the rivalry between fans and discussing how this impacts on modern day racing compared to what it used to impact on. So is this something that's always been there or is this actually something that's been brought about due to modern technology, modern TV series and other factors such as mainstream media? So It's bound to be a subject which most people have an opinion about. There's bound to be a bit of controversy in here in terms of opinions. So without further ado, let's sit down, strap in, and let's give this week's episode some full beans. Now, rivalries in Formula 1 is not something that's new to the sport at all. It's something that's always been around. We've had rivalries for a number of generations. We've had the likes of Hamilton and Rosberg recently. We've had... Schumacher and Damon Hill, we've had Schumacher and Michael Hakenham, we've had Senna and Prost, you know, we go all the way back to James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. There's been examples of rivalries between drivers over the course of Formula One as it's been in existence. However, more recently, certainly the past few seasons, it seems to be a lot more evident that there's animosity between rival fans and it's spilt over into forums which make unpleasant reading they make uncomfortable reading and more importantly they are bordering on just damn right toxic to be honest in how they are with people and it's wrong and it's got to stop but in order to stop something you need to find the root cause of a problem and that is where it's really difficult on how do we take this and how do we stop it going forward Because ultimately, everyone has an opinion and everyone has the right to express that opinion. But that shouldn't lead to personal attacks on people, regardless of their race, their sexuality, their gender. And that's exactly what we're seeing out there at the moment. If you go on social media and you have an opinion about things, you can literally be just attacked within seconds. And it's really uncomfortable. I'm talking from personal opinion here. And it's something that a lot of people are now saying it's putting them off either one following the sport or two certainly using social media to highlight that they follow the sport or that they follow a particular driver because it leads to this barrage of abuse which is just ludicrous really it's just ludicrous and it's just wrong so i want to just talk about why is that why is it now at the forefront and is this something that's new Or is this something that's always been there, but is now bubbled to the surface? So when we look back at Formula 1, how it used to be presented, it used to be presented with Bernie Eccleston in charge, and it used to be very much a, he knew exactly what was going out to the the public. He controlled the media in terms of Formula 1 and its rights, to the point where if you go back and listen to some of Lewis's earlier stories, he talks about how Bernie used to give him cease and desist letters because he just, you know, he, he would put stuff on social media and Bernie would be like, you can't do that. So he sh- shrouded it, I suppose is the word I'm looking for, in secrecy. And all you got was pretty much the highlights programs. You didn't get a lot of behind scenes. You didn't get a lot of access. You just got the racing and the qualifying. And that created this secrecy around it. Now, when Liberty come on board, they obviously opened it up. They've opened it up massively. So... Not only am I just talking about the infamous Drive to Survive, which we'll cover that during this podcast as well, but also just the way the teams are with their fans. So 
social media has now created this environment where social media plays such an important part to the teams and their interaction with the fans that every single Formula 1 team pretty much has got a successful social media team behind them. And what this has done is it's now put Formula 1 much more at the forefront. We know the success that Drive to Survive has had, and that's put the drivers and teams at the forefront and brought new people to the sport. However, the one thing I want to stress is I don't think that's brought toxic fans to the sport at all. I think it's brought a lot of people to the sport who actually, before they watched those TV series, didn't really know a lot about Formula 1 in terms of how it is as a sport and actually just genuinely fell in love with the sport after watching the TV programmes. Now, we know that TV programmes are dramatised to create controversy to ultimately sell their TV shows. But that doesn't mean that the fans that came with them are dramatised fans who crave dramatic storylines. Far from it at all. There's some, it doesn't matter ultimately how you fell in love with the sport. It doesn't matter what was the first thing you saw, whether that be a Drive to Survive programme or an F1 qualifying or you went to a race or you just happened to stumble across it on a you know, boring Sunday when you had nothing else on. So you thought, actually, I'm going to watch this for a change. So I think we need to, first and foremost, just forget about where a fan comes from because everyone's got a right to be a fan. You've got a right to be a fan no matter what your background, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've followed the sport. You know, I see some crazy comments out there about people going, you know, you've only just followed the sport, what do you know? Ultimately, most of us, when we started following the sport, knew absolutely nothing about the sport. We didn't know about the tyres, we didn't know about strategy, we didn't know about drivers. When we first started following it, we didn't have a clue. That's no different to someone who's either watched it on TV or watched it live for the first time at a track. So it's ludicrous to even have that argument with people saying, you've only just started following it. Who cares? doesn't mean that their opinion's less valued because you've just started following something. Far from it. You know, it's, it's just a notion that just keeps getting thrown out there and is just ludicrous. Now, while it's been good that social media has brought us this behind-the-scenes look of the teams, it's also brought with it this level of hatred, and I'm going to use that word because it is out there. It's, it's definite hatred between rival sets of fans. Now, the biggest debate, I think, is we all know who the biggest culprits are in terms of the rival fans, and we know they're the Lewis Hamilton fans and the Max Verstappen fans. They are the loudest sets of fans who tend to overtake a thread or a post in terms of toxicity. If a post about one of those two goes up, invariably there's a barrage of abuse from both sides, I must add. It's not one side, it's from both sides levelled at that post, depending on whether it's pro-Lewis, pro anti-Lewis, pro-Max, anti-Max. You can guarantee that in the comments, within minutes, boof, off it goes. So I suppose my question is, is is it a case of it's those two sets of fans in terms of the minorities in those two sets of fans? Because I'm keen to stress it's not those fans. It's a minority within those fan bases. And again, I want to use the word fan bases quite loosely because I don't think they are fans at all. But they associate with a fan base. So we've got to call them fans from that purpose. So is it that those two fan bases are the driving factor. And actually, if you took that away, it's not in the sport as much. Or is it that they're just ones at the forefront because they've got the most successful drivers and they get the most press, therefore they get the most 
um, airtime, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for. And it exists for all the other drivers and the other teams. It's just not as prominent. So be really keen for people to sort of feedback into whether or not they think that and whether or not actually it's a problem that's in F1 in general or is it actually a driver stroke team problems with those top two teams? Because when you sort of delve into forums, inevitably it's around and centered around those two. Now, controversy on the track hasn't helped to that. That's face reality. And in terms of social media, the social media plays such a massive part in, but it's also created a platform where the world of Formula One is now 24-7. It never used to be. It used to pop up every two weeks. Never really even practice got really noticed in terms of times or anything. It used to just come come on on a Saturday afternoon in terms of qualifying and then the race on a Sunday. But the world of social media has now made this completely 24-7 in terms of accessible to the fans. And with that, it's created this drive almost to have exciting storylines when there isn't a lot going on. And also, it's this drive to actually fill pages with news and not necessarily the teams but certainly the media they create these clickbait stories especially when it's quiet especially when there's not a lot going on to drive traffic to their websites and they use the controversial headlines you know where they just put put a snippet of a in interview in there which when you read the context of the whole interview, I actually had very little bearing on, and that's not what the driver means at all. But by putting that dramatised headline on there, it's created the clickbait already. And you look at some of the comments, and you can tell that certain people certainly haven't even read the article. They've just gone straight off the headline, straight into the comments, and boof, off they go. So the media plays a massive part in this, and the British media is no exception. The British media... Until recently, I didn't realise how far the British media reached in terms of the coverage that Sky give, in terms of you know, how many countries that actually get our commentators and our Sky TV. I rather naively thought that each country would have its own commentary team and we would just have you know, Martin Brundle and Crofty and that would be it. But you know, recently on TikTok, everyone was actually for me and saying that wasn't the case at all. And actually, there's loads of countries that get our commentary. Now, our media is biased and always has been biased and continues to be. I remember back in the Michael Schumacher days, they made a very big point of Damon Hill battling Michael Schumacher, the German. They were quick to actually make that link, quick to, you know, try and whip it that he was against, you know, Damon was against Germany, not that Damon was against another racing driver. It was that he was fighting Germany and with all the history that went with it. So... They're notorious for that. They're notorious for, you know, flip-flopping, I call it, where they just completely changed their tactics. Yeah, you know, most recently with Red Bull, we had the controversy with Ted Kravitz and Red Bull. And what we then saw was we saw Red Bull and Sky sitting down and having a conversation. But what ensured was, I think it was Brazil, if I remember rightly, was actually Martin Brundle was pretty much sitting on a fence because he was afraid to upset almost red bull because they just packed things up so he was talking about the lewis and max incident and you could tell he was clearly airing on the side of caution in terms of what he was saying so he was almost censoring his his commentary because of what had happened now i'm not saying that red bull were unfair in terms of the criticism leveled at sky far from it the words that were used in some of those sky yeah some of those sky broadcasts were controversial yeah using the word robbed we we all remember the infamous 
Christmas advert where they showed Lewis and Matt's Clyde at Silverstone, which was just in sick taste. Why would you, out of a whole season of highlights, have shown that as your Christmas commercial? There's absolutely no reason apart from to, to stir a controversy. So we know that the media plays a part in that. And with that also becomes the platform where the fans launch their attacks. So you've got these small groups of fans and they literally go on the offensive. They literally won't care who's put out the original tweet or the original comments. They will just launch on an offensive. And with it is no reason. You can't reason with these fans. They just literally launch into a triad and it's like a wall of just shouting you down until you just give up. That's how they work. That's how they succeed. And social media lets them do that. It it lets people create profiles with no no names, no profile pictures, no monitoring, no repercussions, and it allows people to just sit behind a keyboard and just say what they want without recourse, without evidence, without anyone finding out who they are. And invariably, it's these people who drop these comments in to stir it up. You've all seen the comments. You know, you get the comments about Lulu. You get the comments about Crash Sappen. You know, when people comment with those comments, it's designed to either antagonise the poster or whip the comments up. Because controversy also trends as well. How many times have you seen a video on TikTok or you know, seen a video on Facebook or a post on Facebook or Instagram? And invariably, it's a controversial one that's going viral. It's not one which is based on fat fiction, actually quite a bit boring. It's the ones which are controversial that are trending because they're the ones getting the shares. They're the ones getting the comments. They're the ones getting everyone going. And invariably, they're the ones that are successful. We had it a couple of weeks ago with the Photoshop of Danny Ricardo and Sergio Perez on the Red Bull cans. A clear Photoshop where Danny had been Photoshopped in by somebody in place of Checo. And then someone put it on Twitter and went, oh, look, Danny's already placing Checo. And it went viral. It went absolutely mad with no evidence at all. It was a clear Photoshop. And anyone with half a bit of experience could look at it and go he's not even in the right overalls it was a clear photoshop but no one was interested no one was interested at all because the story of a red bull cam with danny on rather than checo was just too good an opportunity so woof suddenly off it went and then we've got the lewis and the max fans now those two sets of fans are as bad as each other and i'm sorry to say that because i know people will come at me and they will say you're wrong but I'm right, because ultimately there is a section of each fan base of Lewis and Max who will go at each other. And no matter what you post about one of those two, you can guarantee there's a reaction all the time. Yeah, whether it be from people saying eight titles to Rob's to, you know, all sorts of things to Max's and Deserbeers. It's all based around this sort of, you know, straight away, this campaign of i can't respect that one i've got to i've got to have a go and also it's based around the fact that those fans refuse to accept that their fans cause a problem as well so you've got lewis fans who claim it's max fans you've got max fans who claim it's lewis fans where actually both sets of fans need to realize that it's actually coming from within their own fan bases these so-called supporters from both drivers stir up this frenzy depending on like i said the post on whether it's pro or negative and it carries on and on and on. And you just see the comments. I and mean, people just keep coming back and back and back until you just go, do you know what, I've had enough of this. And will that disappear when Lewis finally retires? Because 
ultimately, Lewis is going to go before Max does. Let's face reality. He's going to retire before Max gives up on, on Formula 1. So it'll be interesting, I suppose, to see what happens then in terms of the dynamics in, in the fan bases when, you know, people haven't got that Lewis figure, that Lewis Hamilton driver to be a fan of when he's removed from it. So will it lead to another person replacing him or will it lead to actually a calming down of it? But ultimately, you've got two of the most successful drivers around, certainly modern-day drivers. And that also brings its own controversy. So when you're at the top, you're going to be shot at. And yeah, Mercedes and Lewis have been at the top for a long time. Max has clearly made his way to the top and is currently at the top. And the arguments you hear, they don't make any sense. Because ultimately, you, when Lewis wins his championships, you really argument of, it's just a car. It's always just a car, never the driver. Yet clearly last season, Max had the better car. But that conversation's not actually been levelled. It's been about how he's been treated as a driver and how good a driver he is. Yet if you flip that the other way, you'll get Lewis Van saying it's just a car and Adrian New built a rocket ship. So the arguments are actually the same arguments on both sides of the coin in terms of best driver, not best drivers. Now, you can't compare the drivers in terms of stats, statistics, and everything else that's going on because ultimately drivers have a lot more points available to them nowadays a lot more opportunity to win races because there's more races available a lot more points to score because there's more points on the board obviously with changes to the point system and also where drivers are in their career so to compare max and lewis is really hard to do because ultimately it's also about where they come in as a driver as well so lewis came in through mclaren side that was Still challenging for world titles when he was a rookie. And, okay, they kind of, you know, tailed off during that, that lull before he joined Mercedes and we had the hybrid era change. But ultimately, when Lewis came on board, he went straight into a championship-winning car and obviously almost did in his first season. And that's my point. Whereas Max came into the Toro Rosso. So how do you compare the early ones? You know, you look at Seb. Seb dominated in the Red Bull, but actually struggled to win a championship or even getting you, really, when he went to Ferrari. There's a couple of occasions, but he struggled to get you. And he's just retired, yet there's no sort of arguments over when he won his championships, it was all, all of a ball, it was all the car, even though his success was quite limited when he changed changed teams. So, again, I think this personality's got a lot to do with it as well. So, both for the, the Max and Lewis, they don't make themselves marketable to the other people to the other fan bases. You know, Lewis will come across as quite arrogant. He will come across as his me against the world. That's how he likes to do things. It's how he's always done things. Max will come across very much as a, as a driver who doesn't care for anybody else sometimes bar himself and, you know, just has a desire to win. And again, that portrays himself to be a perfect villain. So I think they become a villain on both sides of the coin. So, like I say, if you're a Max fan, Lewis is a villain. If you're a Lewis fan, Max is a villain. And then we also had the media storm that, that went with 2021. You know, we're, we're seeing F1 brandish things as, you know, jewel in the desert and head-to-head and all of this stuff. It creates a sense of rivalry when actually if you look at the two together, they actually seem quite relaxed with each other's company in the sense of they're not going to be best mates. They're not going to go out for meals in in Monaco. That's not going to happen. But I do think they've actually got a respect for each other in terms of what they've achieved. I think if you look at it, it's interesting that the dynamics between the two drivers actually 
it has certainly changed over the years. And it it's probably got a bit strained. I think 2021 strained it. I think before that, it actually looked okay in terms of how they were together. But I think 2021 definitely brought a divide. But it brought a divide everywhere. It brought a divide in the teams as well. If you look at how Toto and Christian were as well, that also creates this tension between the two drivers because you've got two teams at loggerheads as well. You know, Christian and Toto, I've no doubt, have got respect for each other. But ultimately, they ain't having a meal together. They're not going for a point together. It's not going to happen. So that also creates this frenzy where the Red Bull fans side, obviously, with Christian and the Mercedes fans side with Toto. So again, it's almost like the, you can't respect the other one and their achievements because it's Red Bull or because it's Mercedes. Whereas, actually, if you're a fan, you've got to take your hats off to both teams. You know, Mercedes for their domination and Red Bull for how they've come back and actually how... They certainly dominated last season. So it's really tough to see what the issue is and then how do you fix it? Because how do you fix that? I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Because if you carry on the way we're going, all you're going to get is people spreading hate and people attacking people because everyone else will give up. Everyone else will go, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want that. And the effect of that is, is massive. The effect of that is on people's mental health, on how they interact in society is huge. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And when someone sends a tweet or a post or a comment and it's, it, it's an attack, it can have such a bearing on that person. It can literally be the final straw to them after a, a dreadful day, a dreadful experience, a dreadful, you know, just what's going on in their life. And... One comment could send somebody completely, completely the wrong way. And I don't think anyone sets out to do that. But then I also don't think that a lot of these people posting these horrible comments actually think about that. They just post it and sit back, grab the popcorn and wait to see what happens. But also you've then got the added disadvantage of when you do post something and it can be quite innocent and it's meant to be innocent and it's not meant with no malice it's not meant with no no sort of hatred it it a comment or word that's mistyped or the wrong word used suddenly you can get attacked on it and you know be accused of creating this this toxicity and you're like but that wasn't my intention i genuinely didn't mean to do that i just posted something and people don't listen to the reasons they just come at you and you're like but i didn't intend to do that that's not me that's not my style that's not what i put the post up for and then invariably you probably take the post down because you think, I can't bother with all this. And then you think twice about posting the next one. You think to yourself, actually, I'm not going to post because I'm not going to get that hassle. I'm not going to get that that comeback on it. Or you block a load of people or you put your account to private. Or if you're a creator, you become a watcher, not a poster because you're thinking, I'm not going to post because I'm just going to get attacked because I support Lewis or I support Max. So I'm not going to post anything because I know that there's going to be a set of fans that will that will come at me, which is just just shouldn't happen. You know, when I when I look at fans, when I look at other creators, other tweets, other things, I don't look at their username, I don't look at who they are when I first hear it, I look at the content. And ultimately the content is what's important to me, what's in it. And I don't look to see where they're from, whether or not they're male or female, what race, what religion, you know, what sexuality they are. It doesn't even enter my head. I'm looking at their content going Actually, I like this person's content. I like what they're doing. I'll follow them. I'll interact with them. 
yet it seems that some people just have this inability to do this or they enjoy being the troll they enjoy being the person who chucks a hand grenade in stands back and just watches it explode and while you don't police that while you can't police that at the moment it will never stop ultimately while you let people create accounts with minimal signups minimal information minimal chances of reporting it minimal chances of any you know if you report an account and gets banned ultimately within five minutes they've got a backup account up and they're up and running again and it's just ludicrous it's just ludicrous and the emphasis on all these social media is always on the innocent people proving they're innocent so you can get posts reported and you have to prove it's innocent when it's taken down it's not looked at first and then suddenly everyone goes oh actually we've looked at it it's fine no it gets taken down black mark against your account and then if you're successful it comes back up but by then it's all it's already gone it's the damage is done so i suppose what i'm saying is is we need to adopt the policy of if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face in the street if you wouldn't sit across somebody from a table and have that conversation then you shouldn't be writing it in the comments it's as simple as that if you met someone would you say what you're writing to their face because ultimately that's the bottom line for for me personally was if you're going to write something would you actually say it to their face if you saw them or would you not say not say it if you're bordering on lines of i wouldn't say it the chances are what you're writing is completely wrong but also let people explain their comments as well let people explain what they mean by things because not everyone is on this hate campaign not everyone is on this drive to create a wedge some people actually just want a discussion about things some people want a forum where they can debate things and go who is the greatest but ultimately if you're a fan you just want to see racing see drivers compete but also there's got to be respect for the other person because to have a close title fight like we had before you've got to have two pretty damn good drivers with pretty damn good cars fighting each other yeah when we go back to 2021 and that championship showdown the most exciting one we've had in years you've got to go back to having two drivers at the top of their game to be able to compete week in week out with cars that can compete together week in week out to make it close it's not about actually it's not about one driver is more successful than the other one you've got to have drivers at the top of their game to be able to do that otherwise one just dominates so for me i want to see people appreciating drivers more appreciating their talents a lot more appreciating the fact that if you've got two world championships four world championships three world championships seven world championships you've got that on merit because even if you've got a good car you've had to drive that car to fulfill its potential yeah, Max last season had to drive that Red Bull to fulfil its potential. You know, Checo had the same car and got nowhere near Max. So it's always been a combination of both. You don't win a great championship with a rubbish car. It doesn't happen. It has to be a combination of both. And yeah, if you've got your car and you take it out in, in the mornings in terms of driving, if the conditions are wet, you just you drive and stop. You're just your braking distance, you're just everything. These Formula 1 drivers are exactly the same. If they've got faith in their car, they brake a bit later, they throw a bit more caution to the wind, they go for it. Whereas if actually they haven't got confidence in the car for whatever reason, because it's not set up right or they're just not getting on with it, then they brake a bit earlier, they're a bit more cautious and ultimately lose the edge. So ultimately, you've got to have a combination of both. Now, in terms of media, you know, drive to survive, has created it has to create drama they've seen the success of prime video and all or nothing 
they've seen how good that is and they need they have this urge all the time to create this rivalry with every single race every single track and when people believe that as that's their sole source of it it obviously becomes a problem but again we get the comments you know you must be a drive to survive fan what does that mean what does that actually mean because i've seen it i've seen all series does that make me a fan of drive to survive i suppose it does but do i believe the bullshit rivalry on there no no i don't so i don't understand that terminology it's just a way of gatekeeping formula one and it it just has to stop just let everybody have an opinion but let them have it in a forum where you can be grown up about it and not be like a five-year-old and just shut it down and just go no i'm not listening to anything you say because you're in a mercedes top or you're in a red bull top or you support max or you support lewis so therefore i'm not going to give you a time of day you know i saw a post earlier about what was the best delivery and they had a picture of all the teams livery from that season and straight away first comment on there someone put the mercedes one up saying um i don't have the best one but i hate this one i mean that comment is just there to just drive the mercedes fans into a frenzy ultimately there's no other reason why you'd post that comment why would you post that comment apart from to whip up this frenzy to you know create clicks and create drama and life's too short to be worrying about this stuff life's too life's too short to think i never want to come across people saying i don't post because i'm scared of the reaction i'm going to get or i don't voice my opinion the amount of times i've seen that on videos where i've posted and someone's gone i used to post but i don't anymore because i don't like how people come at me in the comments or people keep reporting me or yeah it's a t- yeah i don't go on twitter f1 twitter because it's toxic it's just ludicrous it's just crazy it's absolutely crazy we shouldn't be putting up with it and um, the people who want to support drivers the people who want to support open debate the people who want to have these conversations with other people shouldn't be the minority but it feels like if you've got if you've if you're shouting the most and you want to chuck hand grenades in people's comments and you want to go at people that you're in the majority because the others are slowly but surely fading away scared to post back so i suppose my my whole point of this podcast is a bit of a call for arms so if you're crazy if you're if you're a fan and you feel like you can't post or you feel like you can't comment because you you're scared of the abuse you're scared of what's going to come back my voice is don't be because if you are and you do that they win and it's going to be a sad day when if all we see on social media is the trolls winning because they're not the majority they're the minority and they're not a minority who act on our behalf at all they don't you know i'm i'm a lewis fan i'm a self-confessed lewis fan but it doesn't mean i don't respect max far from it i think he's a great driver i think he's matured i think he's got a lot better i think the mistakes that he made earlier in his career were no different to the mistakes that lewis made early in his career and yeah he's deserved a championship and if we go back to yeah let's let's check a bit of 2021 abu dhabi in there because that's where a lot of this controversy comes from ultimately you had two guys racing to the last lap whatever the decisions michael massey made they weren't made by max or by lewis now in terms of the teams and how they played 2021 out in abu dhabi 
when it comes to that last lap showdown, both teams did exactly what they were going to do. Because ultimately, Mercedes were not going to give a trap position and box Lewis in Abu Dhabi back in 2021. Likewise, Red Bull had the opportunity to bring Max in, give him new tyres and bring him back out still in second place. So they took it. Why wouldn't you? That's no different if those roles had been reversed. If the roles had been reversed, both, both teams would have done exactly the same thing again. You know, Red Bull would have stayed out. Mercedes would have pitted because that's what, as a strategist, you would have called in that situation. They didn't make that last lap. That was Michael Massey. They put pressure on it both ways. Yeah, Mercedes put pressure on it to keep it under the safety car. Red Bull obviously put pressure on it to go racing again. But ultimately, they didn't make that decision. They have to, you know, go and race. And they raced. And in terms of the decisions they made, both teams made the decisions that they would have made if roles had been reversed as well. Would have been no different at all. Just the outcome would have been different. So this hatred between each other is just wrong. It's just not there. It's, yeah, ultimately, the record books will show what they show. They will show, at the moment, you've got Lewis obviously on seven, Max on two world championships. You've got Lewis's record holder. But if I'm honest, if Max carries on the way he's going, he will get certainly close to Lewis's records if he carries on the stays in Formula 1. So, but those records before belonged to Michael Schumacher. You, they were there before, so records are there to be broken, ultimately. There will, there's always a generational talent in Formula 1 who comes along and takes over, ultimately, from someone else, you know. That's the way the world works, you know. When Lewis came on board, Alonso was the shining star, and then Lewis came on board. Then, obviously, Seb then joined as well. So, there's always been a generational talent coming through. It's it's the fact. It's, it's what happens in sport. You look at Ronaldo and Messi, and there's always a talent that that comes through the ranks, and someone who's all ultimately just a complete superstar better than all the others. So Formula One's no different to that. No different at all. So to stop the problem, we've got to hit ahead on I feel. We've got to start coming back at the trolls, coming back at the haters, coming back at the people who post these things and just shutting them down. And I don't know how to do that, but ultimately it's got to be done. Yeah, you know, I try to use a variety of wit, humour when I do my reaction to some of these trolls and Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, there's been times it's been quite personal on me, times it's quite upsetting. But then also, other times when I thought, I'm not going to post, I've gone, actually, I'm going to. Because my opinion matters just as much as everyone else's opinion. Everyone's got an equal right to their opinion. No one person has a say in who can say something and who can't. And all I would say is, if you are someone who posts a bit about the controversy, maybe just think about how you worded things. Maybe just think about, actually... How can I say this or read it back before you post it would be what I say. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. It felt like a, a bit of a rant, if I'm honest. But it's something I really wanted to discuss because, like I said at the beginning, I think that the rivalry and some of certainly some of the fan bases at the events that we hear about, I think that's always been a fun one. I just think that social media is now put it at the forefront of things because it's a lot easier to tweet to um, snap it, to share it, put a video up about these things that I think have always happened. But also think there's a lot of gatekeeping from a set of fans who don't like the idea of new fans coming into the sport. And for the sport to survive, it needs new fans, ultimately. And like I said, it doesn't matter how you come into the sport or how you fell in love with the sport. It doesn't matter how you've entered it or how long you've entered it. Yeah, there's not some reward because you've watched it for longer than somebody else. Uh, it's just ludicrous. So... 
I really wanted to talk about it. I really wanted to check it out there. I really wanted to give my personal views on it. Like I said, they are my personal views. I'm sure there'd be some people who completely disagree with me. I'm sure there'd be some people who'd be happy to tell me they disagree with me. But I hope there's some people out there who do agree with me. I hope there's some people who maybe who don't post and want to post take this as a a call for actually I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put something out there because please do. Because I like seeing it. I like, I like the debates. I like having these conversations with people. But I also like to have them in a way that respects the other person's opinions, respects the other teams, respects everything they've achieved and everything they do achieve. And yeah, so let's just create the majority rules. Let's create the fact that we're not prepared anymore to sit back and listen. We're not prepared to accept. We're not prepared to be beaten down in the comments by small-minded people who insist on driving us down to their level. Let's rise above it. Let's post and let's be positive and let's create a positive experience for people. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it and I'll see you again next week.